this is episode four of Unpacking the Home. I am your co-host, Michelle, and I'm here with Vaughn. And today we're talking about home and the community. That's right, we are. Very happy to be here, Michelle. Good to see you, as always, and stoked to be here to talk about home and the community. So initial thoughts, I think last week we, we went over home ownership and home and the self and kind of talked about feelings. We, we, the conversation was mostly about feelings and self-worth and self-esteem and like life satisfaction um, that can come from owning a home or not owning a home. And so this week it's we're pivoting a little bit in home ownership to outside into the community and what we are what we perceive as homeownership in the community so I guess a really informal thought that got me started with this is like how well do I know my neighbors right I've been in this house for uh, a year and a half almost two years and I've had the most number of conversations with my direct immediate neighbors like the people who live in the houses directly next to mine uh i've had one conversation with one couple across the street and i've had kind of chit chats with with people around my neighborhood um but like it's it's bleak yeah it's bleak (laughs) and and i feel like that's it's that's kind of how a lot of americans are i mean you know like i i was like googling how many Americans know their neighbors and it's like 20 or 30 percent can say that they know their neighbors yeah which is really sad and I think that that is like a microcosm of our engagement with the larger community outside of just the neighborhood community but just like in our cities in our states in our country it's bleak it's bleak yeah, one of the first uh, one of the first notes I have on my initial notes is like, when's the last time you talked to your neighbor? <laughs> and and I, for me personally, like I live next door. My landlord owns my house and the house next door to me, and the house next door to me is uh, an upper and a like it's a two, it's a house duplex, but upper and lower, and it's full of college students. So. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've talked to them as much as gotten like grunts, head nods, and then me being like, it's 1030 on a Tuesday. Turn off the music, please. You know? Like, oh my God. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm like 15 more minutes. It's fine. 15 more yeah. minutes. And then I have my neighbor next door. He's cool. He's really nice. Um, I borrowed an egg from him the last time I talked to him. Um, his house kind of looks into my house though, so I don't know how I feel about that sometimes where, yeah, yeah, but that's, that's that neighbor and that's that neighbor. And then I live around a whole bunch of college students. So I, it is kind of, I don't have very many connections, but what I will say is I live also in close proximity of lots of things that I need for myself. So I do, I walk a lot where I live. I have a huge, I'm huge on the walkability. So I actually know all my local cashiers. I know my local bankers. I know, I know a lot of people in the community like that, like where I just walk around and then I meet people and then I see them and then I just know them. And then I also have been in this community for a while. So I, I, I walk everywhere and I see everyone and then I, feel like you know I'm just going out into public and then seeing everyone that I know from different areas yeah Um, so I I talk to people a lot in my community 
but I talk less to my close neighbors. That makes sense. Like the last place that I lived was also in an apartment complex that was mostly college students and I wasn't a college student. I was working at the college. And like, I don't know, I feel like college students can kind of like suss you out and be like, they're not one of us, you know, like, <laughs> like I get mammed a lot at where I work and I'm like, okay, I'm 28. You can cool it, you know, like, come on, <laughs> like chill out on, on that. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was hard to connect with people when I was in that apartment complex with mostly college students, but here it's, it's a little bit easier, um, because sometimes I do live, like, a grandma lifestyle, and, like, I'm just walking my dog. The nice thing about having a dog is you have to get out into the neighborhood at least once a day, and you run into the same people if you take the same path, and if they have dogs, or they're like, oh, what kind of dog is your dog, or whatever, then it kind of opens up a little bit of a communication, but... There's this thing about social capital, and, um, like, having home ownership and, like, having a home it builds social capital in specific ways. And one of the ways that it mentioned was having kids. Like kids was a way that you have social capital in a community, right? Because mm -hmm. you're engaging in their education, you're engaging in sports, you're engaging in like all of these different like playground activities, but social capital for dogs. Like you have a dog and you're going to the dog park. You have a dog and you're going on a daily mm -hmm. walk. You have a dog and you're yeah. talking to your local vet, you know, or you're talking to other people who have dogs at all times where you're like, Oh yeah, let's say hi. How do you want to interact? Like, yeah. <laughs> is your dog nice? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I found that if you just have something in common with people, like, okay, I've been playing a lot of pickleball lately. I'm in my pickleball era and I love it. I love it. See, this is what I'm saying. Like sometimes I have a little bit of a grandma lifestyle. Pickleball is such a great way to meet people in the community. Like it's, but like there's got to be some sort of like, you're doing the same activity, you have, you both have dogs, you both have kids, you, like, there's got to be some sort of, like, connecting thread. Um, it just makes it easier to, to, like, open those lines of communication, but, yeah, pickleball, it, and I just signed up for a tournament. Congrats. Uh, it's actually being put on by a local charity, which is also a great way to get, like, into, like, community activism and civic engagement and stuff like that, like, it's just a, it's a nice way to, to kind of get involved. In a study that was by Lawrence Yoon and Nadia Evangelou, where it's called Social Benefits of Homeownership and Stable Housing, they're kind of talking about like the benefits of owning a home. And it says, another important finding suggests that homeownership yields a positive influence on volunteering, regardless of how long the homeowner has lived in that neighborhood. And like volunteering is kind of a way in which you show your investment in your community where you live like if you're volunteering yeah. if you're giving up your time if you're engaging with people at whatever level typically that builds social capital and then it builds positive relationships and community and that's a positive aspect of being a homeowner because you're you you have a stake i've seen this in myself again like i i lived in a different state right before i moved here and i wasn't really I didn't feel ownership in the community, not just because I wasn't a homeowner, but because I just didn't see myself being there for that long. So there wasn't kind of that permanency and that stability. 
but here like I, I donate to the local charities I volunteer with the local animal rescue I'm in the pickleball groups I'm signing up for the tournaments I have a gym membership I do classes you know what I mean like it's just yeah I'm more invested and I'm more putting down roots in terms of yeah I put financial roots here with with the purchase of my home but also just like yeah social and emotional roots as well yeah it's, it's all tied together Honestly, it is like I am a renter and but even I, after seven years of living here, have have one. So there's a couple facets of this. There's like one, I've I've had this dream since I first moved here that this is where I'm going to be. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to settle down. This is where I want to like do the thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, I was investing. I was invested before being a homeowner because I saw myself being a homeowner here. Like I saw myself settling down and putting roots here. So I wanted to be, you know, um, a part of the department. I wanted to know people. You know, I wanted to get into the active political groups. I wanted to volunteer. Like when I first moved here, I also was volunteering for the local animal shelter. And like it was I just didn't I couldn't have a dog because I was a renter. So I was like, how can I have a dog? I can go to the Humane Society, you know, like yeah. that's that's where I wanted to. But I did that because I knew that I wanted to invest here because yeah. like so I knew that I wanted to know people and have connections and build that social capital and be a part of a greater legacy here. And so yeah. that that was important to me. But that was also premised on I'm going to stay here. And I've noticed, right. I've noticed a, a, a couple times over the past years that I've been, I, when I think about moving away or when I'm not sure I want to stay here, I start pulling back. I start being like, right. I start being like, oh, I don't want to see as many people. I don't want to be as connected. I don't want to be volunteering here because I start disinvesting like from, mm-hmm. from the experience of investing social capital. And so when you have towns that are college students dominated or renter dominated, what kind of impact does that have on a social where you have less people feeling invested in the community? And maybe that's where like you have students be invested in the college that they're going to or like renters be invested in this like apartment community complex community. I don't know. There's something really capitalist about that mindset of like return on investment. Like I'm only going <laughs> to invest in the community if if I'm going to be here long enough to see something back yeah. from it kind of screwed up (laughs) but I think that's that's the way that we operate as a culture right now what was this word I actually was looking I this word came up hold on um oh compersion compersion is our wholehearted participation in the happiness of others that word weirdly came up for me today and I was like compersion wholehearted happy like wholehearted participation in the happiness of others and I think that is Mm. something that we're kind of missing in this, in this, like, investing or not investing in a community where compersion is not something I think Americans typically lean toward, where we see somebody else's happiness or we see somebody else's wins or successes or yeah. um, anything like that. Or, like, you know, with our partners doing something that we don't, they're doing something that makes them happy but doesn't make us happy or stuff right. like that. So that was kind of my thought process today. But... Yeah, I don't think Americans typically gravitate towards compersion where you participate in the whole in the happiness of others when it doesn't benefit you, which is like problematic for community building. For sure. Yeah, 
because it's kind of antithetical yeah. yeah exactly yeah so when we have this american mindset of disinvesting if we're not or not investing if it's not something that we see ourselves in what a loss what a shame okay so when i was researching i came across uh, this sociologist named brian mccabe from georgetown university he wrote a book did you find that article dude i almost want to buy the book and read it but i don't have time but when i do have time uh, it, the book is called No Place Like Home, Wealth, Community, and the Politics of Home Ownership. And he kind of examines this like stereotypical idea that homeowners are more engaged in the community and more invested than renters. And I think he kind of pushes back on that and uses like sociology data um, to, to kind of disprove that. It talks a little bit about where this like American idea comes from that like the homeowner is is going to be a better citizen is going to be a better community member in that he says while homeowners perform many of the textbook acts of civic engagement at higher rates than renters attending community meetings voting in local elections and joining neighborhood groups. For example, they often do so as a way to protect their property values. So there is there is that like inherent connection that he's making between having a home and investing in it and and like participating in local things and local community stuff because it protects their financial interest. Is that a true motivation, though? Is it? Do you do you find that like if you and I guess you have I guess you've just you've already argued that that like yes once I've bought my home and I was like this is the community that I'm in then that made it something where you're like yes I'm going to invest here but do you think that that tied out directly to your property value in your mind uh no not at all actually um my property value rarely I rarely think about it because number one it has tanked (laughs) so there's nothing really to think about and I'm like I'm here for the long haul so hopefully in 10 or 15 or however long years when I'm ready to sell then I'll start thinking about it um but I think for me it was it it wasn't related to home ownership at all it was related to like emotional ownership of like Mm. this is where I'm gonna be so let's get it going like how do I get involved how do I meet people how do I find places that I, I want to support and small businesses that I want to support so that yeah for me it was definitely not related to my property value although on the flip side I will admit that there are oh gosh okay this is gonna sound really bad and like I know it but there are some houses in my neighborhood that aren't very well kept and aren't very like aesthetically pleasing they don't have curb appeal and sometimes I do catch myself having that thought of like god the HOA should really come in here and like tell them to get their shit together right but and but then I have the humanity side of where I'm like okay wait no what if they're like going through something what if they're like ill or like that's why they can't do their yard or whatever but so in terms of property value, tying it back, sometimes I do think about that and it's kind of a like a, an American knee-jerk reaction. But I think if you can just acknowledge and kind of catch yourself and then kind of humanize your way out of it, I think you can, you know, not just be directly tied to your property value in that way. 
catching that knee-jerk reaction can be hard sometimes when yeah. when judgment comes in and it's tied to all these other things. But I yeah. I think it's fair to have that grace too for people because I earlier this year my landlord personally went through something pretty traumatic and like lost a very close loved one in a very traumatic mm-hmm. way. And he started not doing things around that you can like visibly see degrading. It was like a visual thing that you could pointedly see and then be like, that's not happening. And then one of the neighbors just stepped up and started doing it um, because he was like, he was like, I know that your landlord's going through this thing. He's not keeping up with this. So I'm just going to do it for a little while. And I was like, hell yeah. That was the nice neighbor who I borrowed an egg from most recently. Um, yeah, and so there, there is that stepping outside of a capitalist individual mindset that's like property values and you, your yard looks like shit and it's going to bring my yard down, you know, versus yeah. like, um, this is somebody who's also part of our community and yeah. what's going on with them and yeah. having that sense of care and also the ability and if you have the space or ability to step up and to offer yourself, then that's also something um, to consider. Yeah, I think that we could solve a lot of problems if we just, like, cared about each other and, and, like, tried to help, you know? Like, it sounds really basic, but it's just not the way that we're raised in this culture um, to, like, step in and help. Because, yeah, my first thought, and I'm thinking of a very specific house, and I don't think that they're doing well, which is why I was, like, I had that thought and then I immediately felt bad. I was, like, what a what a heartless thing to think about these people that are clearly struggling like they need to keep keep their yard up better I'm like what that is the last who cares literally it doesn't matter at all on the other flip side and this might also sound bad and I know it but on the other flip side of it like on one of the houses that I lived the last house before I lived in this it was like I was renting a room before finding this place and the neighbor next door owned his home and him and his uh like the teenage kid lived there Um, single dad and he kept up the house this is not part of the story but we're gonna the story is I connected with that neighbor I was like sociable We, we would talk a couple times but then we would like then we had like a couple more like personal intense conversations and then I just started avoiding him and I was like I just I didn't want to become involved. I didn't want to be a part of it. I didn't want to know what he was going through that deeply. And I didn't want to be the person where he catches every time we make eyes walking out of the house. So there's also that part where like, I like being in specific community. I like being Mm -hmm. in a controlled like I have my fitness stuff. I do my volunteering stuff. I do my, I have my workplace community. I have the general community that I live in for going to, you know, my doctors, my grocer, my all my my wellness stuff. Um, but there's honestly like the whole in my house neighbors, like in my like personal vicinity, there is something where I'm like, I don't, and even, even, that, I think that's why I didn't connect as much, like, as thoroughly this time with people, because I was like, I actually don't know if I want to, like, I don't know if I want to be locked in to that relationship where that's dependent on where I come home at night, 
And so there's, there is that element that I've, I struggle with a little bit or I think about of like being a hermit and like, what if, what if I was a homeowner though? So like where I grew up in Southern California, I had tons of friends where I grew up. Like you would go play around the blocks and have friends next door. And like, it was just that era. But now, now I'm like, if I owned a home, how much would I want to become integrated or helpful or supportive or immersed or enmeshed in my neighbor's lives? I guess that would just be a test of my own boundaries. But I think about that. Like, if you become enmeshed, if you have problems, if you don't like your neighbor, you're there as a homeowner. And I was so happy to move out of that rental. Like, I was so happy to move away from the neighbor and, like, the other people, like, the other one person I was renting with, I was like, I'm out, you know, like, and I'm I'm gone. Yeah, dude, I think this, I mean, A, the closer you get to someone, the messier things get because humans are just messy. And I think that we, as Americans, when we think of, like, our closest circle of people, like our neighbors are not part of that and so it feels like I'm taking on an extra relationship an extra person's shit you know an extra emotional burden basically to be really close with this person and I and I kind of already have my circle set and I don't want to take on extra I've, I've definitely felt that my last apartment right before I bought this house there's a sweet old man who lived right below me and he would come out to the stairs and he would smoke and I would walk my dog and so we would chat all the time chatting 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 months go by and eventually I get a knock on the door hey can I borrow ten dollars and I was like a I don't carry cash so actually no I'm really sorry like that's a legitimate answer but then I closed the door and I was like okay, I don't want this to continue in the direction that it's going because clearly there's there's now a comfort level where he feels like he can ask for $10 and then next time it's $30 and then next time it's $100 and then who knows what else he's going to ask for. You know, like, where is this going to snowball into? Mm. I mean, I definitely had that feeling of, you know, maybe I shouldn't really get that close to my neighbors. Like, friendly versus friends. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's definitely know. a difference. I do know. And that's, I think, that's been the process of growing up, in a way. Like, learning how to have boundaries and where that line is drawn with the people who live in the proximity. Because it is, like, yeah, it's something about my private domain. Like, it's my private yeah. domain that somebody who lives by me who can feel comfortable just walking up, knock, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and that's... There's something that feels weird about it. And part of it might be just, like, personal safety dynamics of, like, older man, young female, not necessarily feeling, like, personally safe. But I do think that, honestly, if it were, like, another young female, I probably would have a very similar reaction of, like, okay, we gotta, we gotta pump the brakes. Okay, so, all right, I have, I have kind of a horror story. Um, Okay. My neighbor, um, I had a neighbor, and she was, like, my age-ish, and she had a boyfriend, and they were great, and it was fine. And so I started asking her sometimes to, if, if I left, to, like, 
water the snake or to like check on Reka if if I was gone for like two or three days and like I would you know do that and then she was like hey I noticed that our keys are the same and I was like pardon me and she was like yeah so like I noticed our key cuts were the same and I tried my key on your door and we have the same keys okay (laughs) and I was like how do I do this how do I go about this and I was like thank you for letting me know like it's totally thanks and I didn't I like just held it for a minute because I was like I knew she was moving out soon but I was also like I have all this stuff and I trust her but do I trust my neighbor enough to have my house key that now she knows is my and I have her house key and then I eventually just ended up texting my landlord like a week or something later and was like hey so somebody didn't give me back my keys and the neighbor and I noticed that we have the same key so if you could just replace my locks that'd be dope and he was like oh no they're not the same and I was like change the locks no (laughs) (laughs) but that was insane like I I had a neighbor who had access and we only knew because she was I let her have access to my to my interior but that was somebody who had access to my private domain as a neighbor yeah I think that's something I want to talk about in the like home and safety or home and security episode my dad was in an apartment like two apartments ago and he was saying like every month the apartment complex would say oh we have to check the sprinklers or we have to check the electric whatever you know and he was like they were always just coming into our apartments with very little warning I think the state rules are like 24 or 48 hours notice or something but even then like that's you know that's the next day or the day after that can be a big security problem where like all these other people just can just walk in the front door they don't have to break in they don't have to scheme they can just walk in whenever i don't like that and that that's a big perk to being your own homeowner if i feel sketchy i can literally just go down to home depot buy a new lock and a new key install it in two hours I don't have to ask anybody I can just go do it when you're a homeowner when you're like or wanting to be a homeowner one of the things that you're going to consider is uh crime is the the literal level of crime or the safety of your community so like literally what is the communal status of crime right here and that is that's a huge thing to consider for people buying a home is is what level are they willing able to experience of certain activities (laughs) yeah and actually that relates to another thing I was thinking about which is like I said before walk my dog every day so you kind of get to know people a little bit you get to see a lot of the same people so at least you can recognize these people live here I know who's in that house kind of and there's this group of kids got to be like two or three kids from this one household. I've seen their parents. We wave to each other all the time. And one day I was driving around. I must. I was coming in or coming out. And there's this weird car I've never seen before. 
out with the, where the kids are playing and they're hiding in the bushes, which I've never seen them do before. And so I'm like, hmm, I'm going to drive up to this car and just like be behind it and like see what they do and take a picture of the license plate. And like the kids and I make eye contact and I'm like, okay, I know you guys. And they're like, yeah, like I can't like, you know, like we recognize each other and the car, I've never seen it before. I've never seen it since. And the car just kind of like speeds away or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is weird. I don't know exactly what was going on there, but the kids seem spooked. I don't recognize this car. I don't recognize this person. Uh, And I was like, you know, having community within your neighborhood probably leads to a safer neighborhood than every single house having their own security system. Like if Mm. we can just get to know each other and cut, kind of get a feel for what's normal then we see something that's not normal we can step in and recognize it and we don't need eight thousand dollars worth of cameras and door locks and and all this stuff if we just had stronger community ties if we just had relationship Mm. with one another when you were just saying that it's like if you have a if you have an apartment complex of people if it's month to month if you have a month to month Or if you're if I'm in a neighborhood where there's lots of month to month housing and like I don't really recognize people and there's just constantly people in and out versus I've lived in this community for 10 years. I know Bob, Jane, Sue and Diego down the street like I know everybody. And when I see something, it is out of the normal and I can spot that and I can go there or I'm like keeping track of my neighbor's well-being. Like if that house down the street was like good and everything was nice and then all of a sudden like my landlord it started degrading you'd be like something's up like something's going on and you have that community watch happening in a in a much different understanding than surveillancy because I think that was great I think that you pulling up behind that car and being like who are you because there are kids who like you feel like you your intuition you feel something and that that's so valid to be like this is sus and I'm going to suss it out, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't always take much. Like again, Mm. just pulling up behind that car and being like, I see you. I don't know what you're about, but like, I'm here and I know these kids and they know me. We've never talked, but like, we live here. Yeah. Do you, who are you? What are you doing? Why do they look scared? You know what I mean? And like, it doesn't, you don't always need to confront someone or have a weapon on you or something like just being present and being like, hey, you seem like you're kind of sketching some folks out. This is our community. This is our safe neighborhood. You if you're trying to do some shady ass shit, you're going to have to go somewhere else. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. But yeah, if we don't if we don't know each other because nobody actually gets out of their house and walks around and talks to people or again yeah like when I was in apartments people are just coming in and out all the time moving in and out uh you you don't really get to know people at at the same level and I mean not to say that some apartments like I know that tons of apartments all around the world have people who are there forever and so like it's not it's not necessarily like an apartment thing it's just I think more typical in apartments but it's just the concept of being stable consistent member of the community versus um moving 20 times i mean if you're a homeowner or if you live in a place for a long period of time 
the longer you live somewhere, the more you're able to kind of like be a part of that community, understand what that community is typically, and then how to contribute or how to suss if something's off. But you can't do that if you're transient or you're not a part of the community. And being a part of the community, like we keep saying, is talking, walking around, um, engaging in volunteering, engaging in community. You know, I've even... um, they're local like I'm not again a homeowner but I am still voting I'm still participating in the the city elections I'm still participating you know and I was just thinking about this on my way home from work today too was like I'm one of those assholes who's like yes increase the property tax for the kids you know (laughs) like (laughs) and I'm not even a homeowner you know but I'm still voting my my values but yeah so you don't have to be a homeowner to be like engaged in the community but the stability of committing to somewhere committing to a place committing to a like various groups that you care about that you value that's also wealth building that's also social capital even if you're not a homeowner switching gears a little bit I have this, like, idyllic vision of, like, the 50s and 60s or maybe even further back than that where it's, like, a slower pace of life and people are just, like, hanging out on their front porch and that's how they get to know people. And I've always wanted a front porch. Sadly, I don't have a front porch with my current house, but um, hopefully someday because I'd love to just, like, put, like, a little swing bench swing and do my little like scrabble whatever and then like if people walk by yeah we can chat because I'm not like inside my house just glued to my phone on the couch you know what I mean like I'm kind of putting myself out there and hanging out outside but it got me thinking about how in previous eras where like the main method of communication was spoken yeah I think you did have these stronger community ties because people actually had to talk to each other face to face well I mean like where else are you gonna get the drama Michelle like (laughs) where are you gonna get the tea where are you gonna get the tea and the deets like you have (laughs) to I mean you have to be I mean that's also yeah because you build social capital you you by engaging right and like we do live in a fragmented – I ran into one of our old mutual professors the other day, and um, we talked about the fragmented nature of reality. Again, like it is such a, a neoliberal experience of this fragmented nature of reality. So we're not, we're not all taking in that he, – he was talking about how his students really couldn't – his young, young students were having a really hard time – with the concept of drawing, like you need a stock, like you need the stock in order to draw from, from creativity. Like you have stuff Mm. that you, until, until you're, you imitate, 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 imitate. And then one day, if you're really lucky, you'll create something. And that is drawing from the common stock or like a common narrative or a common body of knowledge or a common, you know, tool base, whatever. But that is something where we are not drawing from the same stock me and my neighbors are not drawing from the same experience we are on completely fragmented internet phone realities in -hmm. addition to not working together in addition to not going to school together in addition to me not 
sitting out on my front porch all the time. You know, it is an idyllic dream for me to be more connected. And I think that is why I talk to my grocery store people. And that's why I still talk, you know, like I talk to people. I know the bus drivers. I know people. And I, and that's meaningful to me. Like it's meaningful that I know people in my town where like yeah. I walk around and I see people I know. I'm, all, I'm not, I'm, I mean, sometimes I'm like, okay, we're going, yes. you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to have <laughs> yeah. that conversation right now or that's not where I'm at today, you know? And like, right. there's that, but then there's also just the beauty of literally I know sometimes, like, I'll be like, I don't know why, but I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to run into somebody. And then I do. And then I say, and then we had a good conversation and it's just, it was meant to be. And so like, there is something very special about, I mean, and that's the privilege of the, the place that I live in too. And that's the privilege of my house, my literal house that I'm where it's positioned is that I am able to have walkability, bikeability, access to my um, grocery super fast, access to my fitness super fast. Like I'm, there's all these things that are within like a stone's throw of me. And so mm-hmm. that's a privilege and I know it. Like I know that that's a privilege in comparison to, I mean, what what is it like to live rural? Like what is it like to live 50 miles from the nearest something what is it like to live on ranches where you do know the Johnson family but they're 20 miles that way and you don't like their son a little bit you know like I don't know (laughs) what that kind of life is like I don't what does community look like in that life going back to what you said about walkability and and bikeability because I love to bicycle sadly I'm in a climate where bicycling for most of the year will kill you (laughs) and um, but also like it's not a bikeable place it's not a walkable place it's very suburban sprawl and it, it you have to have a car to get anywhere but one of the downsides to that one of the many downsides to that is when you're everybody is just in a single vehicle and nobody's talking to anybody because we're all separated by a car. Like I'm stuck in traffic on my commute home and I look at other people and I'm like, that person's alone in their car, that person's alone in their car, that person's alone in their car. If we had like public transit or if if the city were designed where we could walk or bike, then we could like talk to each other maybe. We would at least have the opportunity to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the technology that is is great in a lot of ways and i'm not anti-technology but we do have to think about what it's doing to us socially it's and it's not just social media and the smartphone it's also you know everybody has a car in this country and everybody drives alone very few people actually carpool ever um i know there was like a big kind of carpool push maybe 10 15 years ago but that is dead in the water nobody (laughs) nobody is doing that so yeah like with every new technological advancement we just get more isolated and more isolated and more isolated and then we do end up in this fragmented reality that you're talking about where nobody's experiencing the same thing because nobody's experiencing anything together with another human being yeah no where i grew up and i it was not walkable it's not walkable it's not bikeable besides climate like besides like it was not conducive to that where I personally grew up like even when I go back now and I'm like 
I love walking and I love, you know, being just, I love walking like, and I love walking to wherever I need to go. And it's really nice. And even as a teenager, there would be times when I would like shimmy around through a dirt field and hop a fence and then go to the grocery store. Like just because that's, I like doing that. But there's so much also shame. Like there's also judgment and shame when you see people Mm. walking there. Like, and that was something that I also like grew up knowing, but also have felt it much more now where like you see people riding a bike, it's because they're poor. You see somebody walking, it's because they're poor. You see like you need your car, you need, I mean like one, you need it. Like the public transportation is kind of shit, but it's a little bit okay. But if you don't have a car and you're walking or you're like on a BMX bike or you're biking and you don't look like it's because you're poor. It's because you can't Mm. or like the assumption that you're poor or the like that that is a shameful thing to be judged or like looked like that's you don't want to be in that position rather than like I'm going to walk three miles and nobody's going to look at me weird here. You know, I'm going to walk with my hands full of groceries and it's not um, it's not a problem. And it's not seen as something less than or, like, diminishing. And there's all these, like, pathways and connections and safety things for walking here where in there is none. There's, like, places that have no sidewalk. There's places that have no bike lane at all. Like, there's – where I live, there's just such disconnected suburban sprawls to then, like – disconnected um like every town is just a stamp copy of the next with with the little shopping center and then the suburban and then it's all cut off and then you can't walk between anywhere so you just have to drive for 15 30 minutes anywhere you need to go and I'm like this is I'm not engaging with people down there nearly as much except to like give them the bird when I'm in the car because I'm mad about traffic or something and I'm like and then it's dehumanizing like that's the one I know that that's something that I still work on. Like, that's my last bastion of, like, rage is is driving sometimes. Maybe that's why I like walking so much. <laughs> Dude, I have never really been a rageful person, but I've lived here for over two years, and my driving, dude, the road rage, it I felt it, like, build up within me because no shade on the Californians. Look, I love California. I love Californians, <laughs> but, like, the driving style can be very aggressive. <laughs> and I'm from a place where the driving style is like, no, no, you go. No, no, it's okay, you go. And we'll, we'll sit there for 20 minutes and nobody will move. And, and oh you know what gosh. I mean? Yeah, I do, so, I do know what you mean. I do. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly what I mean. The dehumanizing factor of, mm-hmm. like, again the more isolated we become in our own individual cars, yeah, the person in that car isn't a person. They're part of this dehumanized entity that you can yeah. be really angry at. But yeah. if I'm walking with someone or if I'm biking with someone, you have to look that person in the eye, you have to hear their voice, and you have to look at their human body, and it's harder to just be completely unhinged but if they're in this like entity that is their vehicle dude the gloves are off and i'm like go fucking drive off of a cruise ship like i don't even care you know what i mean (laughs) like but it's like it's not okay to like think that about someone someone random who you don't even know no i I definitely have gotten better like i've rehabbed out of but like i i mean people here are definitely aware they're like 
I, one of my the last person I was dating, he was he was like actively concerned about my driving, and he was like he was like I I know I know it's okay though. I like I know that you're from <laughs> like I know, and I'm like. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah. And I also have a motorcycle, and he was like, I swear, I hope you do not ride like you drive. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I can take, I can take, uh, I could take feedback. I can integrate that. It's probably for the best, so. When I first moved here, I was driving with someone who's from, actually from, like, Northern California, and then they, they've been here for, like, 25 years or something. And they asked me if I was Canadian. <laughs> dead ass for real they were like are you from can is your family canadian like why are you like so timid when you drive like you're you're leaving like a mile between you and the car in front of you is something wrong i'm like no that's just how we drove where i'm from i mean and and there might be something to say about that like not saying where you grew up is small in any way um but it's also like i think there's a significant population difference and where you grew up and it is that whole how big is your community and how connected are you to your community and what are the values and ethics of your community and there is not there is no consensus of togetherness on the road like there is no I recognize you I see you on this daily commute if I like if I because even in this town which is like a little bit bigger than the town that I personally grew up, but it's different vibe. But even this town, I drive to work and I see the same cars. Like I drive Me too. and I see like the one license plate that's like go sports team. And I'm like, it's you, you know, like, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I, I think that that has helped me in my community to be like, oh, these are people that I am seeing. Whereas in with a huge community like that, it's like, there is no community. That's not, yeah. it's not a community. Yeah, going back to ownership, like, there is something about where I grew up that is very, well, it was, it's it's not that way so much anymore, unfortunately, um, but there was, like, regional pride, and there was, like, a regional culture, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of bought into that, and so, like, yeah, maybe... Maybe you don't have the same religion or maybe you don't, your kids don't go to the same school, but like we're, we're like, we're in the same region. Mm -hmm. That's our connecting thread. Um, And we can have all these other differences, but we adhere to to this like cultural standard. When you, when you're buying a home or when you're thinking about being a homeowner or when you're thinking about even renting, taking these things into consideration, like what are your values? Do you have community values? Do you have things that you want to prioritize, like, your proximity of welfare, of, like, groceries, services, access to nature, yeah. walkability, bikeability, um, how violent, you know, drivers are. Because <laughs> yeah, it so matters. Yeah. Like, it's it's things to consider. What a good conversation about community and home. I feel like there's yeah. so much more to unpack here, though. But we're just do- we're doing this. We're doing this series, and then we're going to see where it goes. But I have so much more I could talk about on this. Same. And I have a lot more in my notes yeah. um, that I'm going to upload to Patreon. Yeah. If you would like to support the show, uh, it's three bucks a month. And we do upload our uh, weekly research notes. So um, there's a lot of stuff that we just don't get to in yeah. this like hour of, of conversation. So. 
And maybe in the future we'll do another episode and then you'll have the notes that I'll probably draw on again because that's super, yeah. super normal to be like, all right, let's compile all the notes that I previously had if we're going to talk about something similar but in a different way on a different day with the different stars lining up, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. So thank you all for listening to episode four, Home in the Community, and we're excited to, to keep going with this next week. Um, what are we doing next oh, yeah. week? I feel like I always get to this Dude, point. I'm I, like, I don't I know. I do not know. Oh, we're going <laughs> to get mad next week. Nice. Um, we're going to talk about homeowners associations. <laughs> okay. We're going to get a little bit heated. Uh, it's going to yeah. be great. Dude, the heat is going to, yeah, we're going to bring it. Join us for HOAs next week. Um, leave some comments if you have any thoughts about this homo- homes and community or even HOAs, and we'll scope it out for next week. And yeah, um, yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.